putting your questions to the decision makers locally. This is Rumble's Radio Q&A. Hello, I'm Stuart Clarkson and welcome to our latest Q&A from Rumble's Radio. Today we're with Dr. Brendan Kennedy, who's an executive GP partner for AWC Modality. Uh, they operate 11 surgeries across our area, more than 87,000 patients on the books. As usual, we've got some of your questions that you've sent in to put to Dr. Kennedy. We'll cover some topical issues to do with healthcare as well. Welcome to Rumble Trader. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, so tell us about Modality first. It's, I think, what's known as a super partnership, and you operate quite a lot of GP surgeries across the country. That's correct. So a super partnership is when GP practices have come together to form one partnership uh, with the aim to be more efficient in the way that they work. Um, we are committed to the NHS values, and we're committed to growing, innovating, and trying to sustain general practice, which is under huge pressure in this country at the moment. Uh, We're aiming to meet the needs of our patients and provide high-quality care for all. Modality Partnership is a national partnership with eight divisions across the country, operating uh, 45 practices, and we have 10 sites in Edel, Wharfdale and Craven. And I know you've recently been inspected by the Care Quality Commission. An outstanding verdict on there. You must be really pleased with the outcome of that. I'm very, very proud of the uh, results of the CQC inspection. I think it's a testimony to the hard work uh, of all my colleagues uh, locally over the course of the last few years. Um, there's a few things the CQC uh, picked up on um, that we should be proud of. The um, way that we have brought services out to patients in the community, the innovations that we've done with health checks with our patients with serious mental illness and learning disabilities. Uh, we've taken over and offered health checks at the Park Run and our vaccination programme was recognised uh, nationally. We ran the first uh, women's only um, clinic we operated in the uh, mosque, uh, one of our sites was at the mosque in Keithley, when we had recognised that there was significant vaccine hesitancy in, amongst our Southeast Asian population. And by actually working with the community leaders uh, down uh, in uh, Keithley, we managed to increase the uptake in that community by 15% above any similar uh, area in the country, leading to a uh, parliamentary award. They also picked up on our inclusion health programme. We have uh, GPs working with the uh, homeless uh, and people with drug and alcohol problems. They also, though, identified as access as an issue for ourselves. Um, and you know, we recognise at this moment in time that's probably the biggest challenge for our patients. So uh, as much as I uh, am proud of our results, I also recognise we have a lot to do with regards to improving our access uh, for patients. Yeah, and I think some of the reaction, certainly on Facebook and places like that, large pinch of salt needed with some of the comments, obviously, but I think people's frustration is is being able to see their GP. Most of the comments that are really positive when they've seen somebody within one of the surgeries, but it's getting in in the first place. How frustrating is it for you when kind of the the public perception of GP surgeries locally is, oh, well, you can't get an appointment, rather than... It's brilliant when you get in. Yeah, I think I think you raised some good points. Uh, access is a problem nationally. I don't think this is necessarily a problem uh, just for ourselves. There is unprecedented demand at the moment. And there's a couple of things I think we need to recognise, really. This is the 21st century, and the m- main access route into general practice in this country is still the telephone. If you look at other industries uh, who have adopted digital um, or a digital approach, um, there you, you see a different thing. So banks... Um, Lots of people are happy to access their bank accounts using an app. Um, they struggle to have a conversation with anybody in a bank. 
I don't want to go down that route. <laughs> the argument is, I suppose, you, you know, you haven't got a rash to show to the cashier at the bank, have you? So, uh, no, but we want to, you know, we want to uh, adopt digital technologies, yeah. uh, but we want to get it right. Uh, and we also want to make sure that we're not excluding patients by using, um, by using new digital technologies. So with regards to access, what we tried to do, um, we've installed a new telephone system in January of this year. Uh, some of our sites up until then were still using um, old copper lines and if there was more than six or eight people on the phone, patients were getting, getting an engaged tone. So we've installed a new phone system. This allows us to cross cover between sites with our staff. And so if a site's busier than the other one, a receptionist in one practice can pick the phone up at the other. There's also a queue buster option, which allows patients not to wait on the phone. And actually, when they get to the top of the list, the phone, uh, the actual uh, telephone system will call them back. Uh, we've had a, a question actually from somebody in, in, in Staten who was asking about that very thing, that you know you can request a callback or once you get through the system, you can say, right, we're going to be, we're gonna, you're going to be triaged and somebody will call you back. If you then don't take that call because you're changing a nappy or you're on another call at work or whatever people find that frustrating that they then get lost in the system or you know the gp's got loads of calls to call back so i suppose the question really is about how how much is the focus on the patient's needs and the customer's needs versus the staff and the surgery's needs you know if i ring up and say i'd like an appointment then you might have an appointment and you say you can come at this time and that's the only one I've got. Whereas in a private business, whether that's a vet practice or opticians, I've got a, a choice. Yeah. Um, and that's much more focused on the customer. I know that's not an easy thing to do, but how much do you see your business about meeting the needs of the patient versus meeting the needs of your operation? Uh, we will always try to uh, meet the needs. Um, I think the key thing here is, as I said, the, the level of demand and the pressure that's being put on general practice at the moment. We will endeavour always uh, to meet people's needs. That may not necessarily at times be uh, meeting people's wants. And you talked about the demand. You know, Give us some idea of how big the demand is for your services, both locally and, and GP services nationally. There are physically more people wanting an appointment than there are appointments available, I guess. Yeah, I can give you some uh, numbers. So uh, in May this year, we were getting 13,000 calls per week. Um, demand levels at the moment appear to be about 20% above the pre-pandemic levels. Uh, our GPs are working above safe, safe levels. So they're generally offering in excess of 50 appointments per day. The British Medical Association suggests 35 per day um, is uh, a safe level. And the other thing to, to just sort of recognise really is um, lots of places now have closed doors. Um, so the only place public sector organisations are primary care, a&E and the ambulance service and they're all suffering with similar issues um, and so the demand when people don't know where to go uh, they go to places like A&E or they go to general practice because it is a place with an open door and this means that we, lead, we are dealing with things that are not really within the uh, remit of general practice. And one of the things the government have said they want to do, and again, this has always been the case for years, is is uh, get more people going to their pharmacist with, yeah. with things that the pharmacist can deal with. But I suppose the role of a GP is something that the public sees and says, well, I need to see my GP because that's what I do. You have a variety of roles of clinical and non-clinical practitioners here um, and pharmacies as well. How hard is it to communicate to people that actually you don't necessarily need to see a GP? We, we can, as a practice, can help you, but it's not the GP that you need an appointment with. Uh, this has always been an uh, absolute uh, challenge. Um, GPs, I think, are probably the best to, to see people quickly and efficiently. 
but if we look at the numbers of GPs uh, moving forward, that is not practically possible. So we've introduced new professions into our workforce. So we have pharmacists, we have physiotherapists, paramedics, social prescribers, dietitians, uh, health and wellbeing coaches, and soon to have mental health practitioners. Uh, and to be honest, um, these a lot of the time are actually the best people to provide the most appropriate care. So coming to see me with your back pain, you'd be probably best to see a physiotherapist first. And that's what we're trying to do is to, is to navigate people into the most appropriate place. Pharmacists can offer significantly better medication reviews and education than I can. And so over time, what I hope is that the public can see that actually the first port of call may not be the best to see the GP, but actually see one of our uh, colleagues who have alternative skills. The new health secretary's talked recently about this laser-like focus that she wants on everyone being able to get a GP appointment within two weeks, uh, that the most in-need patients will be able to see a GP the same day. Is that happening already? How far away of, are we of making that happen? Well, going back to your earlier point, the, the balance in general practice has always been about trying to uh, provide uh, appointments that are uh, convenient for patients at a time they want to come set against patients who feel that they have an urgent need that need to be seen on the day and how we juggle that so we can try and offer uh, the best. The latest figures we have is that we're offering patients who want a routine appointment uh, around 90% to get an appointment within the next two weeks. Um, and if you look at the data um, from NHS England, last year uh, there were, th- I think, 300 million appointments in the UK provided by general practice and 44% of them were on the same day. Modality is a, a private company um, providing services using NHS money. Uh, interesting question from um, Laura in Skipton that came in. Um, even though they're NHS services, I pay to see a dentist or an optician. I'd happily pay, she says, 30 or £40 pounds for a GP appointment if that meant I could be seen more quickly. Um, round here, there aren't GP private practices you know, in Leeds and Manchester and cities there are. Is that something you could see happening locally in the future as a private company that you would have some private patients as well as NHS patients? Uh, no, uh, not really, no. <laughs> Is that about demand that, you, that you, you're already too busy? No, no, no. It actually, it actually dates back to the um, when the uh, NHS uh, was first uh, conceived in 1948 and contracts that are in place now are actually uh, a hangover from 1948 and so it is... Um, actually uh, illegal for ourselves to offer private services to our NHS patients so that's not something that uh, we would want to do and as I said at the beginning we're committed to holding up the NHS values. Um, We'll talk briefly about Covid in a minute. Um, Becky in Silsden says she works in a care home and she'd like to know when GPs will be going back into care homes. I think during Covid obviously visits to care homes stopped. Um, there are no face-to-face consultations going on, as I understand it, in care homes locally. It's all done over the phone. Is there a, a reason why that hasn't started up again? Uh, they have started up, and we've never okay. we've never stopped visiting patients. Um, what we were asked to do at the start of COVID was to um, to try to triage patients and ensure that the people that were coming into the practice uh, were not coming in and putting other people at risk. So the the ask from NHS England from the outset was uh, to to use a telephone approach first and to see people appropriately um, in the right place. So this involved um, setting up for ourselves a Red Hub initially at Silsden to see people in a safe safe environment. As far as uh, home visits are concerned or visits to care homes, um, these have not necessarily stopped, but the whole thing uh, through the whole pandemic was about trying to reduce the risk of spreading infection amongst uh, well patients. We talked briefly about staffing. Let's just delve into that a little bit more. Obviously, you've got you know clinical staff and non-clinical staff, and across every sector, not just in healthcare, there are recruitment problems. You know whether that's in hospitality or different industries. Are you managing to fill the jobs 
and the roles that you have and how's your staff retention because of the kind of pressure within the surgeries? Okay, so recruitment, as you've mentioned, in most industries is difficult at the moment. Uh, general practice is has a significant problem. Um, if we look at some of the data, in 2015, uh, Jeremy Hunt, the health secretary at the time, promised 5,000 new GPs by 2020, and this never materialised. At this moment in time, we've got about 26,500 full-time GPs in the UK, um, and this is comparable with 53,000 hospital consultants. At the last election, another 6,000 GPs were um, promised, and these have never materialised, and we're now losing GPs faster than they can be replaced. There's actually now 2,000 less GPs in this country than there was in 2015. Now, that's GPs. There's a similar problem with practice nurses. In West Yorkshire, we need to train and recruit 400 practice nurses just to stand still in the next 10 years. Um, and there are challenges in each, each whether it is primary care or hospitals, um, with regards to recruiting and retraining. Our big problem at the moment is retraining, uh, re- retrain, uh, retaining sorry, our um, receptionist staff. Uh, and a lot of the receptionists that we have recruited over the course of the last 12, 18 months have not um, hung around because of the pressures uh, and aggression that they face on the phone every day. And that's one of the real difficulties that we are facing. Do you think patients think if they're awkward and shouty and rude that they'll get seen quicker? Because it's probably the opposite, isn't it? <laughs> I would think so, yeah. Um, it is you know, it is a difficult environment for patients at the moment. I get the impression that once they get through and they get seen that... Uh, and the GP, recent GP survey confirmed that, that they are happy with the service that they get. Um, my ask really is to just uh, be kind when they are, uh, are dealing with our practice staff. And in terms of the, the GPs, why are people leaving the profession? You know, why are, is it that there was a big recruitment drive and they're now getting to retirement age? Is it people are getting sick of the job? You know, uh, there's, there's a multitude of factors, to be honest. Um, the multitude of factors that... It is not a particularly um, uh, attractive um, option at this moment in time for young uh, young doctors coming out of training. Um, there are opportunities overseas that people have t- are taking. We've lost a number of GPs locally who've gone to either Australia or Canada because uh, they found it more uh, attractive a place to work. And and the role of a GP has that changed much in your time being a GP in terms of what you actually do day to day? It's uh, completely different um, to what I was doing 25 years ago. Uh, and again, this part in part because of the changing nature of the job that we're doing. Um, we're dealing with more complex problems. Uh, and also we, we have brought other professions into the, uh, into the uh, profession. Um, and so I'm not necessarily seeing the same type of patients with the same problems I was seeing 20 years ago. Um, just on staffing as well, we've heard this week about nurses being balloted for strike action. There's been talk of junior doctors going on strike as well. Uh, are you're, obviously, you're a private company. Do you get to decide what you pay your staff or is that dictated to you? No, very much so. This is um, There are uh, guidance given from the uh, NHS, um, but as, a, as you say, as the organisation that we are, we will set our pay levels ourselves. But, you know, the one thing I will stress is that we have uh, adopted the national uh, living wage. Um, this is you know, not the national minimum wage. Um, and, you know, we've, we've always been keen to reward our staff for the work that they do. Rumble's Radio Q&A. 
You talked about systems for, for making access different, whether that's phone or online and e-consults and things like that. Are you happy with how they work? A few people have said, oh, it's really faffy. It's just easier to try and ring up instead. But that puts a pressure on your call handling. Oh, very much so. So as I said, other industries have adopted digital. Um, and this is something that primary care across the country is keen to do. But it's also important to get it right. So uh, for a period of time, we used e-consult which was a product um, that we had to stop using it because the demand was uh, just not sustainable. Was that because the outcome from the e-consult was saying you need to see a GP? No, 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 the, the numbers coming through, the sheer numbers the sheer numbers coming through. Uh, and as I said earlier, the challenge in this in primary care is trying to manage demand and try to provide access to everybody. And actually, if you're getting hundreds of e-consults that will take up telephone calls and face-to-face appointments, that is excluding other people who don't have access to digital, and that's not right. So what we're trying to do, um, and this will be moving, uh, you know, this is never going to be perfect, um, is to is to look at the different digital options uh, in place, uh, and as we move forward, hopefully, uh, use the digital approach um, uh, to help. So the one that we have we are running at the moment has reduced our telephone calls uh, significantly. It is pushing putting pressure off the phones, um, but other things that patients can do. So if you download the NHS app, you're in a position to order your repeat prescriptions on there. We will soon be utilising something called Voice Connect, which will allow patients to order their repeat prescriptions 24 hours a day uh, via the telephone system, but it won't be putting pressure on the actual telephone system itself. So we're keen to uh, try new technologies and utilise new technologies, but as I said, at this moment in time, there isn't a perfect solution. Um, Let's just briefly talk about COVID. I think a lot of the media focus on COVID has gone away because of other events whether that be politically or you know things in Ukraine um, it's just disappeared from the news agenda uh, what are the Covid symptoms now are we still got problems with Covid locally? Uh, Covid is ramping up so there's a 14% increase in Covid cases last week uh, the symptoms it is milder than when it was at the beginning we're not seeing that patients as sick as we were before the vaccines uh, so we are still seeing people you know, with coughs temperatures feeling pretty lethargic uh, and unwell um, and I'm sure this winter is going to be uh, a significant problem. And you've done a lot over the last couple of years on vaccinations, the booster programme obviously running in tandem with flu vaccinations this winter as well. Um, we had one question saying, why are your clinics not on the national booking system? I'm, I, I live in Silsden being offered Bradford, Oxenhope, Nelson for my appointment. Why, why can't I get one nearer? Uh, mainly because of the supply of vaccines. So we've been asked to vaccinate our own patients um, and the national booking service, which we have utilised significantly in the past, we're not getting the level of vaccines and our priorities should be our own patients locally. And there was another question about vaccinations and, and what you've done over the last couple of years. Obviously, compared to other surgeries and partnerships, you did a lot and you did offer them to other patients. What was the reason for that? Oh, they saved lives. One of the points that we had raised to us is, you know, you were given these vaccines by the government. You didn't have to pay to buy the vaccines. Um, you were also given money for every vaccine you put in somebody's arm. So there's a perception that the more you do, the more money you make. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Um, what I would also be very proud of is that uh, our vaccination programme gave more vaccines than the mass vaccination centre locally. Primary care has always been good at efficiently and quickly running vaccination programmes. Um, this was not about money. This was very much about ensuring that our local population were vaccinated as quickly as possible um, and uh, that many people as, as possible could have it because we knew the benefits of that would, would be would spell out with regards to uh, the saving of lives. As I said, the approach we took um, was to work with local communities um, and community leaders where the vaccine uptake was uh, reduced 
we managed to increase the uptake in those communities by 15% higher than comparable communities. Um, and you know that, that for myself, in time, um, I'm sure will be shown to, uh, that we can recognise the number of lives that we saved. We've got a new government, we've got a new health secretary. She's made various announcements already on how she's going to transform the health service. What's the one thing you would want political leaders or government to do to help you to help patients? The key thing really is... is um, the wider problems in society that, that impact on ourselves as general practice. So one of the main presentations we are seeing at the moment in significantly increased numbers is mental health problems. The current climate, the financial issues that patients are, are facing, uh, access to housing, access to benefits, um, is putting increased pressure on ourselves. And so lots of the social problems in society now are manifesting themselves increasingly in healthcare. Uh, and my ask really would be to, uh, to address some of those health inequalities and social inequalities um, I think that would probably be the thing that would help us the most. So is, is that a case of services that local authorities perhaps used to provide and people come to you because they don't know who else to go to? Yeah, so if you look at um, uh, benefits, um, to access benefits now you need to uh, go onto a website. If you can't read, if you, can't, if you don't actually own a computer or a phone, you can't actually access those services and these are the patients that are coming to see ourselves. I had a family come to see me last week who said they had no food. Um, and guiding them through our social prescribers to the food bank. You know, these are the issues we're seeing on a daily basis. This is not medicine, this is social issues manifesting itself in healthcare. And, and to finish, uh, Brendan, uh, what's your kind of main message to patients across our area? Um, access on the phone is a problem. We are trying to address that. I would really ask that our patients, that are, you are kind to our staff when you're engaging with the practices, either on the phone or social media. Um, the abuse has a real detrimental effect on the well-being of our staff and I'd ask patients to think about how, how they interact with us. We are trying to develop digital options and we will continue to do so but we will do this not excluding those who can't use them and we will always work with our patients to improve. We're committed to providing the best healthcare to all our patients. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for answering our questions. Thank you very much. Putting your questions to the decision makers locally. Rumble's Radio Q&A. Get all our interviews with local people anytime on the Rumbles Radio Local podcast.